business. Okay, members, it's time for questions to the Minister for the Economy, and I call John O'Dowd to ask the first question. John O'Dowd. I can't call you Casey Abraham. Question number one. And I call the Minister for the Economy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member uh, for the question. Um, the public consultation was published on the 26th of April 2021 and will be open until the 25th of June 2021. I therefore hope to be in a position to publish my response to the consultation along with any emerging policy proposals shortly thereafter. The implementation of any policy changes from that, that consultation will most likely uh, take place in the next Assembly mandate, uh, but uh, I do hope that it can be brought forward as quickly as possible. I clearly recognise the current differences in the levels of available support from Northern, for Northern Ireland students compared with elsewhere in the United Kingdom. However, in seeking to resolve this, we must be careful not to simply replicate the type and level of support in place in other jurisdictions when it would be inappropriate to do so, especially when that results in increased financial burdens being solely placed onto students. Moreover, we must also be careful not to create perverse incentives. When additional postgraduate support was first made available in England, for example, what this actually resulted in was universities there increasing their level of tuition fees, thereby taking away any advantage uh, to the individual student. As such, what we need is a fair and balanced uh, support system, and uh, including the consideration of repayment terms, which will not uh, unnecessarily become a financial burden to the individual student. Supplementary, John O'Dowd. Uh, thank you, Ken Crowley, and thank the Minister for her answer. And, and I welcome the Minister's expressed views that increased support should not lead to increased fees by the universities. That's a, a very important matter. But one of the areas I want to raise with you, Minister, is this. Postgraduate students from here who have paid their taxes and their families have paid their taxes, if they go to study in the South, they don't get any support. If they move to Britain, they do get support. And one of the perverse reactions to that is we may lose those students to Britain because it's seen as a large amount of students who go to Britain do not return. Will the Minister ensure that uh, those students who are studying from here in the South also receive support, one, because it's fair and equitable, but also to ensure that we can keep them closer to home? As the member knows, the consultation is out, and it will, of course, be for people to make that case during the consultation. I am quite exercised about this, and we introduced this consultation with a view to a change in support levels as quickly as we could, because this is essential not just for individual students or for the good of universities. It is essential to drive forward the economy, that we retain support where we need it most, whether that is uh, support of students who go to the Republic of Ireland to study or those who go uh, to England and Wales. As I've said, I have uh, two principles which I think are uh, which should guide um, this uh, going forward. And one is that we do not place an unfair burden on students. I do not believe that for students, either undergraduate students or postgraduate students, that the total financial burden should rest with those students. And I think that we have a duty, if we want to drive forward our economy, 
to look uh, at that um, very, very favourably. And I also think that what we need to do is to try to ensure that more of our students stay at home with us and therefore drive the economy. And we will have to look at those issues, particularly the issue about how we fund those students and hope to retain them closer to the home economy. Kelly Armstrong. Mr. Speaker, and thank you, Minister. Minister, are you concerned that the maximum level of postgraduate support of 5,500 is discouraging postgraduate study for Northern Ireland residents? Um, yes, obviously, which is why I um, launched the consultation. Currently, um, in England, the maximum amount of support is uh, over 11,000. In Wales, it is over 17,000. In Scotland, it is 10,000. And in the Republic of Ireland, postgraduates receive a loan to cover course fees uh, of between 2,000 and 6,270 euros. Um, if we are to grow, and I, I, keep, I keep saying this over and over again, the central mantra of all of the documents that I have produced over the last number of weeks. So we have our 10x vision for the Northern Ireland economy. We have launched our skills consultation in order to drive forward prosperity in Northern Ireland. To drive forward jobs and growth, we have to retain skills at all levels within the economy. Call Cara Hunter. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I'd like to thank the Minister for her answers so far. Can I ask the Minister, uh, has she considered increasing financial support for Northern Irish undergrad students living in London? Currently, NI students in London uh, receive £6,780 in maintenance grants. Meanwhile, English students in the same circumstance, circumstances are given over 12000 so there's nearly a £6,000 difference there. Is this something you and your department are looking at and addressing? Thank you. I think that this Assembly will have to address the way we support students, whether they're in Northern Ireland or whether they're actually um, studying um, in, for example, London, where the cost of living and the cost of accommodation is extremely high. And of course, we will have to balance that across the executive with the amount of funds that is available uh, for support to our students. In going forward, this is one of the crucial issues that this Assembly will have to grapple with how we support our undergraduate and we have our consultation as to how to support postgraduate students going forward. And that will be a whole executive decision because, of course, the financial ramifications of that will go across the whole executive. Nicole Nigla Brogan. Question number two, please. Can I thank the member for the question, which I think is very, very timely and extremely important. It is essential that students are kept informed of teaching arrangements, and I have previously written to our higher institutions in relation to this. I have reminded them of their legal responsibilities uh, towards students uh, and how they uh, carry these out. With vaccination now being offered to over-18s, Reduced levels of uh, virus transmission and positivity and availability of testing, I believe that we should be facilitating a return for all students um, in uh, the new term. I have asked uh, executive uh, to, uh, colleagues to currently consider the advice um, and we have uh, agreed an increase in face-to-face -face teaching 
and extracurricular and student support activities all to be resumed. As our universities are autonomous institutions, the model and implementation of provision is for them to consider based on the public health advice. However, Ulster University and Queen's University have informed me that they have already written to their students to set out their vision for the new academic year. And I am pleased that both uh, are committed to a return to face-to-face -face learning for our students. I am hopeful that this will mean our students regaining the learning uh, and indeed social experience uh, that they deserve. Nicola Brogan, supplementary. Gourmet, I would thank Carla and thank the Minister for her answers. And that sounds like a very positive development. Um, but many students still are in the dark, really, about whether or not their course will be um, or teaching will be online or on campus. Um, so the guidance really needs to be issued now for them so that they don't um, take up accommodation that isn't required and they end up. So could the Minister um, outline if she's willing to set up a working group with universities and students um, that will outline exactly how teaching will be facilitated in the next academic year? I absolutely agree with you that um, students need to know now. I think that last year um, in our... Um, in the way that we um, helped, or, or the way that the pandemic developed, uh, many students had taken on uh, rental agreements for which uh, they were responsible. Obviously, they're private uh, contracts between students uh, and uh, those who own the houses. So I would really uh, like to see the universities setting this out um, very, very quickly. I'm not against um, a working group, but I think this is for the universities to set out um, very, very quickly. I understand that uh, Queen's and Ulster have already done this. Um, Stranmillis um, has communicated to all uh, students that they intend to return uh, to learning uh, on the site as quickly as possible. And I'm told that St Mary's uh, will inform their students after the 21st of June. Call Daniel McCrossan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you, Minister, for the answers to your questions so far. Minister, it is vital that we avoid the mistakes of last September when many students were in very difficult circumstances. Will the Minister commit to a regular meeting schedule with the NUS USA, similar to your counterparts in GB, uh, to engage on the, this issue and others and to ensure that our students' voices are heard? Because last year, Minister, as you will know, they felt ignored for too long. Thank you. I um, have already met uh, students' representative bodies um, and will continue to meet um, students' representative bodies. Um, throughout last year, uh, we put in place uh, financial measures for students, which were probably the most generous in the whole uh, of the British Isles. Um, I'm not um, undermining um, or in any way decrying the difficulty that students had um, I know um, from personal example how difficult it was for them, um, how they experienced loneliness and indeed the increase in mental health issues for students as they went through a year that was literally like no other. I call Gary Middleton. And can I thank the Minister for her answers? And she's just touched on what I was going to ask. Is in relation to as many uh, students return to face-to-face -to -face teaching and many have faced mental health issues over the past uh, year. Uh, what support, Minister, is available for those students who are affected by mental health issues? Can I uh, thank the member uh, for his question? It is 
absolutely vital that uh, we enable students um, to get as much support as we can possibly do. And for that reason, in my last financial package, um, I uh, assured that money was allotted not just to the universities but also to the student bodies themselves so that they could reach out among uh, their own peers um, and offer uh, guidance, help uh, and for, for uh, mental health uh, issues. I know that each, each uh, university has a slightly different way uh, of tackling this, but I would ask students not to feel alone. There is help there, um, and uh, I want universities to be proactive with their students in ensuring that they are reaching out um, and giving uh, the maximum level of help that they can. Uh, can we please now bring uh, Claire Sogden on screen? Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Question number three. Can I uh, thank the member uh, for her question? Food and uh, drink tourism plays an essential role within the visitor economy. In 2019, 5.3 million overnight trips in Northern Ireland generated over £1 billion of revenue. Food and drink accounted for approximately 30% of that spend, £350 million. Tourism NI research tells us that visitors' position food and drink is one of the top five factors when choosing a destination. The Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink in 2016 played a central role in showcasing our food revolution and resulted in Northern Ireland being awarded world's best food destination at the International Travel and Tourism Awards in 2018-19. This highlights the growing strength and recognition of our food and drink offering. I have recently launched the next phase of my Tourism Recovery Action Plan to respond to the devastating impact of COVID-19. The plan includes a range of measures to stimulate consumer confidence and demand and to enhance the competitiveness of our tourism sector. Food and drink will be an integral part of these measures as the continued development of this sector remains critical to our recovery. For example, under Tourism NI's recent experience development programme 2020-21, food and drink experiences represented approximately one-third of successful awards, commensurate with the overall contribution to the economy. A total of 11 food and drink tourism businesses were awarded over £1.5 million to enhance the experience they offer to visitors. Claire Sogden, supplementary. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you, Minister. And I appreciate uh, your recognition of the importance of food and drink uh, within our wider tourism here in Northern Ireland. But can I ask the Minister if there, if there are any specific programmes uh, that her department is developing to try and support this? For example, we have a wonderful platform on the North Coast called Taste Causeway, and I think that would really benefit rolling something similar like that out across Northern Ireland. And I think we also see uh, with, with the pandemic a number of food producers and food trucks uh, popping up right across Northern Ireland. But people want to know where these are so that they can go to them. Um, I'd be really keen to hear your thoughts on how we can do better specifically in relation to food uh, tourism. Um, I, th I think uh, that you're absolutely right. In, in um, the middle of lockdown, many of us relied 
um, very, very heavily on those uh, pop-up offerings of food and drink and so on when uh, we were out and about. Um, and I think that that is an avenue I think that will continue to um, actually grow over uh, the next number uh, of uh, years. Um, in relation to Taste Causeway, this was funded via InvestNI's Collaborative Growth Programme and was awarded a Phase 2 grant of £169,200. That uh, funding um, allowed Taste Causeway then to um, draw in further funding from DERA, from Tourism NI, um, and indeed from the local council, which in, in many ways enhanced the experience uh, and the drive uh, for uh, growth in one of the most important aspects uh, of the industry. We have just launched our Tourism Recovery Action Plan. Um, that is a fully funded um, action plan, uh, which we hope will help uh, to revive and revitalise um, not uh, just tourism, but included within that food and drink tour uh, element of that um, over the next year. I think every one of us in this House recognise and acknowledge the real difficulties um, that our hotels, our restaurants, etc., um, have uh, experienced over the last year. We have put in place many different schemes to support them uh, over the next year, and I hope uh, over the last year, and I hope that our tourism recovery action plan will help them to grow and to recover um, from a very, very difficult time. Thank you, and I call Keith Archibald. And I thank the Minister for her responses so far. And can I just ask, as Minister for, with Responsibility for Tourism and Economic Development, who leads Invest NI and Jointly Tourism Ireland, does the Minister agree that it is entirely inappropriate and disrespectful to her as Minister and to the Executive, and in fact undermines the Executive and devolution for the British Secretary of State to appoint someone without any consultation? to a role that is mooted to be about promoting investment in tourism and therefore cuts directly across the work of the NI Bureau and Invest NI in the States with no oversight or input from the Executive? Um, well, of course, I do take a, a contrary view uh, to the member in relation to this. Um, I think that the appointment of Trevor Ringland is an entirely positive one. I think that there is room uh, for all of us to do our bit uh, to promote Northern Ireland as a wonderful place to live, to invest and to do business in. And it can only help uh, to grow jobs uh, and prosperity here in Northern Ireland. The members should remember that it's not only Norad's voice that needs to be heard in America. They call Meg Nesbitt. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Grateful if the Minister could tell the House what steps her department is taking to ensure that uh, hospitality outlets are able to source product uh, from local agri-food and drinks organisations. For example, is there a dedicated website? Uh, are there meet and greet events to ensure that hospitality outlets are aware of what they can source locally? Um, this is one of the, the questions that uh, comes up on, on a frequent and regular basis. Um, and I do think um, that it is important that the member acknowledges that some of our restaurants and our food and hospitality outlets are absolutely amazing at sourcing and promoting local food in Northern Ireland. I am constantly um, amazed at the breadth, the variety, 
um, and uh, the, the, the length that um, our restaurants go to to actually promote uh, local food, and we don't have to look very, very far to actually do that. Um, and of course, um, we do continue to work um, through InvestNI with local companies and the local agri-food uh, sector uh, to promote uh, Northern Ireland produce. And just recently, I um, announced uh, a review in conjunction with the DERA Minister of the agri-food sector. And I would encourage the House and those who are listening today um, to actually respond to that review because I think it is uh, really important um, that we launch a new drive to promote the provenance, the safety, the traceability of food in uh, Northern Ireland. As I finish, I was delighted a short while ago um, to visit Foil uh, Group uh, up in Londonderry and was really delighted uh, when I saw a um, tweet from the um, British ambassador in Washington where she was able to enjoy steak, the first meat that was provided from the United Kingdom into uh, America and it came from Northern Ireland. I understand that many of her companies are also looking for USDA um, approval as well. I think that the opportunity is enormous. I'm going to call McGlone. And I thank the, the Minister for her response. Um, Minister, just in regard to a number of sectors, but in particular hospitality, but also construction, um, many employers are finding vacancies and they can't find staff. Uh, and uh, Some of those staff indeed have returned back to European mainland um, to their homes um, over the pandemic. Others have found alternative employment. Uh, can the Minister advise just what methods or what actions have been taken by the Department to try and help those employers recruit and identify new staff? Well, of course, the member addresses something that I think even uh, political opponents in this chamber will uh, admit that it has been a passion of mine uh, since uh, taking up uh, this office. If we are to grow the Northern Ireland economy, we have to grow the skills of our people. We have to widen the opportunity for people to get more and better skills. We have um, a fantastic program, the Assured Skills Academies. And for many um, in the advanced manufacturing sector, which you are very familiar with in your constituency, uh, and indeed in the wider construction sector, we have now run very successful academies for people, for example, in welding. A recent academy in welding ensured that all of the participants uh, got employment after they'd finished that Assured Skills Academy run in the Northwest Regional College. I was also really delighted over the past number of weeks to be at the opening of a new college in Banbridge, £15 million of investment for the future of Northern Ireland, a new college in Armagh, £35 million of investment for skills in Northern Ireland, a new college in the Southwest, £35 million of investment for Northern Ireland. We are on site with a new college um, in Coleraine. We have a contract out for a new college in Ballymena. We have a new college in Dungannon. These are really important investments in the future of skills in Northern Ireland. Call Claire Bailey. Speaker, question four, please. Can I thank the member uh, for her question? 
The High Street uh, Stimulus Scheme is a cornerstone of my Economic Recovery Action Plan and one of the largest and most innovative responses to tackling the consequences of the pandemic for local businesses. It is a 140 million injection to support towns and city centres. Local business leaders have welcomed the scheme and see it as a practical support in helping businesses recover from the pandemic. We want to encourage people to play their part and become a hero by spending their £100 in supporting local businesses that were either forced to close or severely impacted by the pandemic. The financial stimulus will help to boost uh, demand and protect local jobs. I want every person resident in Northern Ireland aged 18 and over to register for a prepaid card. The scheme should launch towards the end of the summer and the card used to purchase goods and services in local businesses, but not for online purchases, gambling or financial or legal services. The multiplier effect of the scheme from people spending more than the value of the card and the ripple effects from purchases will deliver greater economic benefits and make a significant step to kick-starting recovery. There will be an advertising and public messaging campaign, including engagements with organisations representing those who are hard to reach or vulnerable, including elderly people, persons with a disability and the wider community and voluntary sector. Thank you, Speaker, and I thank the Minister for her answer. Minister, you've already alluded as well that there are so many um, businesses across Northern Ireland who have really struggled throughout this um, COVID crisis. So, uh, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in listening to so many who have concerns about the scheme and the reimbursement of it. Um, can you give any guarantees today in this House that particularly independent traders and our small businesses will not be forced to go through heavy admin um, and will receive this money in a very timely fashion? Thank you. Well, of course, the money will be received by individuals in Northern Ireland who will choose where they uh, spend that money. Um, and the, the parameters around that and the restrictions around that are, as I said, around um, we, you'll not be used, allowed to use it online or for gambling or financial and legal services, etc. Um, we are currently out uh, to procurement, and I think that that process has almost finished uh, for the procurement of a provider uh, for the card. Um, and we will then launch and work with local chambers in order to make sure that we get a buy-local message. This stimulus scheme is an investment in local businesses, local high streets um, and in local families who have had such an, an incredibly difficult time uh, during the pandemic. And as I said in my introduction, this is the largest uh, stimulus scheme um, across the United Kingdom. Linda Dillon. Corlea, and thank the Minister for her answers, and particularly the, the point that you've just made around the buy local. And is, is there going to be some kind of an incentive in order to buy local? Because I certainly want to see the vouchers used in my constituency of Mid Ulster, where we have a large number of independent retailers who have worked really hard to keep their businesses going, and some of the best restaurants, I, I would say, across this island. And I really, really would love to see people from Mid Ulster using their vouchers in Mid Ulster. Can you also confirm the, the 16, 17 year old, the rollout to, to that age group, if that will be happening, and how much 
that is likely to cost. And just to say, I also welcome that because these people do work in our communities and they're paying taxes and national insurance also. Um, can I deal with the issue of, of those who are younger? I mean, the department, the rationale for the scheme was to provide, and the funding provided for the scheme was to provide everybody over 18. Um, if we were uh, to roll that out to a younger age group, then we would need to look at how that would impact the amount of money that was available and whether there was additional funding available, etc. etc. Officials are currently looking at the equality impacts um, of the scheme across the board, um, and we will be producing that. But it is something that is on our radar, radar although something that has not been priced into the scheme as we currently have it. I am absolutely adamant that I would like to see this scheme used in supporting local businesses, local uh, people who have um, come through the toughest of times over uh, the last year and businesses uh, that uh, need uh, support. We will be working with the local chambers. We will be perhaps encouraging local chambers to maybe have their own incentive schemes to draw people into their area. Um, as we uh, launch the card across Northern Ireland so that perhaps uh, businesses uh, can give their own incentive for that money to be spent in their own local area. This is about um, keeping up the stimulus and the demand um, for retail, which has suffered so horribly over the last year. And we will work um, over the course of the summer with local uh, businesses and indeed business organisations to make sure that the messaging is absolutely right around it. Very, very brief, please. Okay. Thank you very much, Minister, for your answer so far. Um, you indicated that um, there would be a multiplier effect. Have you done an economic impact assessment on what that multiplier effect is, particularly around job retention and business sustainability? We are currently looking um, at uh, the issue of the multiplier effect and how we can do it, but in Jersey and Malta, where this scheme has been rolled out, there was a significant multiplier effect. And of course, that's not just about increased trade on the high street, that is about uh, greater sustainability and stabi stability of businesses um, and jobs uh, within local areas. We will produce uh, an equality impact and we will produce the business case for it as well. Thank you. Members, that ends period for list of questions, and we move on to 15 minutes of topical questions. And I call Sean Lynch. And before I call Sean Lynch, just to let people know that uh, question three by Philip McGuigan has been withdrawn. So, Sean Lynch. Minister, over the past year, as students' unions have been appealing to you to provide support to those excluded, students excluded from the COVID uh, disruptive grant, will you give a commitment? to include these students for the money that not only they deserve but also need. I'm, I'm presuming you're talking about the additional £500 that was, yeah, okay, that was given to students. Um, we have, of course, looked at how this would, could be rolled out uh, in uh, other areas, but this has proved uh, incredibly uh, difficult uh, to work with. Meanwhile, um, we have ensured that £22 million is spent um, on students who uh, go to local institutions, um, that there is a significant level of funding uh, for uh, students for mental health um, and uh, for other issues that students face. 
I have also instructed universities to make sure that um, their students um, are aware of the funds and how those funds uh, can be drawn down. Because when I talk to local students, that is one of the criticisms um, that they level, that maybe these funds are too opaque in the way that universities uh, treat them. Students from here who go to university in um, London or anywhere else uh, in, in Great Britain um, are also able to claim uh, the hardship funds that are available within those institutions. So there is help, and I would encourage students to avail of it. The Minister for Answer. Minister, can you confirm that 100 master's degree bursaries that you recently announced will be available for ma master's students seeking to study the Irish language and translation services? Um, there is no specific um, um, rules around uh, the bursaries, but I am absolutely delighted that in Northern Ireland's centenary year that I've also been able to acknowledge this by ensuring that 100 students are able to undertake a one-year master's degree um, and that each of those students will have their fees paid and an additional £10,000 uh, of living expenses uh, paid for them. Um, this is not just important in acknowledging 100 years of Northern Ireland, but it's also important in building the critical skills that are absolutely necessary to uh, take Northern Ireland forward. I recently published uh, my 10x vision for the Northern Ireland economy. There is a consultation out um, on uh, the skills that are required to grow that economy, and it is absolutely important that we do this at every level in every community across Northern Ireland. Oh, Linda Dillon. Minister, it is a constant source of frustration to further education colleges that the awarding bodies of, of many of the courses are delivered through English-based awarding bodies, and they are not aware of the needs that we have here in the North as awarding bodies here would be. What are you doing through your skills strategy to address that issue? Um, I agree with the member if she's telling me that um, the number and uh, complexity of awards is very confusing both for employers, for students and indeed difficult to administer for further education colleges. I think, though, that it is important that we keep some kind of parity across the United Kingdom so that our qualifications are recognised uh, in all areas of the United uh, Kingdom, um, and I, that is massively important. Can I also just say in response to this question and offer my congratulations to further education students across Northern Ireland? And I've been out and about at a number of the colleges where those students have uh, completed theory online and are now in working very, very hard to make sure that they have the practical element of their course completed so that they can move on uh, in their lives and in their careers. And I was extremely um, impressed. Um, I was up at uh, the Further Education College in Newton Abbey last week, uh, where the Young Apprentice of the Year um, has just finishing his uh, plumbing course um, and he's looking forward to moving on with his life, but has worked extremely hard, like so many other of our further education students, uh, to manage very difficult conditions uh, and ensure that they have all the practical 
um, skills necessary uh, to continue. Supplementary, Linda Dillon. Thank you, and thank the Minister for her answer. Minister, would you commit to looking at or at least doing a feasibility study for a centre of excellence for engineering skills in Mid-Ulster? This is something that we have campaigned for for a long number of years. We have many engineering companies who pay £2 billion comes out of Mid-Ulster into this economy every year. If we didn't have that, we'd be in big trouble. And without the skills, without us providing the skills for these people to keep these factories open, the factories will close. We will not have that into our economy. So I'm asking, will you please commit to a centre of excellence for engineering in Mid-Ulster? I am absolutely and always astounded every time I visit some of the advanced um, engineering companies in Mid-Ulster, indeed across Northern Ireland, both about uh, the range and the skills that are available, but also the way in which they trade across the world. Um, and there are companies uh, headquartered in Cookstown that are selling in Texas and Australia um, and right across the world. It's always, always um, a, a source of great admiration for me. Um, I think that there are two things that we need to do to ensure that we, one, retain skills, but two, um, that we grow skills within uh, these industries. And working with the companies is the absolutely critical aspect of this. So I think that our further education colleges need to be aware that their skills programs need to be flexible. And we've just introduced our Flexible Skills Fund, um, which will help um, companies adapt to the needs um, and, and, and help uh, us adapt to the needs that com companies are identifying. Every time I go to uh, Mid-Ulster, and the member them will know this very well, I am constantly asked about the shortage of welders. Um, and we have run a number um, of uh, welding assured skills academies and indeed the last one in the Northwest College every one of those young people uh, retained uh, a job at the end of that which is really uh, very very uh, satisfying to see. The other element of this um, for uh, the Mid-Ulster is really the area around the city and growth deal and that advanced uh, manufacturing centre that they are proposing uh, within Mid-Ulster and how that relates to the advanced manufacturing centres that are proposed within, for example, uh, the Belfast deal. I would like us to see, um, to see a, a lot of coherence in how we take advanced manufacturing going forward. It's one of the areas where we have identified in our 10x vision where there can be huge growth for the Northern Ireland economy, huge export sales uh, to her, her more up. for the Northern Ireland economy, um, and it's an area um, that I think will really blossom in the years to come. Again, I call Carolyn Killen. Thank the Minister for her responses thus far. So, under your strategy for training, trainees got to level two qualifications will move from local training providers to the FE colleges. I'd like the Minister's response in relation to certainly the bespoke and often um, sustained support that some of those trainees get. Will that be transferred to FE colleges? Because that's one of the big concerns many constituency MLAs will have. This was one of the very first issues that I took up when I became a minister, because I know that the member will recognise that I know many of the training organisations that she knows uh, and know them very well. Um, and I um, want to publicly put on record um, 
the work that training organisations do with young people who come in to them in sometimes very difficult both social, family and even educational circumstances and how they give them that wraparound support to uh, grow as individuals and to train and have skills um, so that they too uh, can prosper uh, in uh, future life. So I, I think we need to put that on record in this assembly and I'm grateful for the member for um, identifying that as an issue. I would also like those individuals who if they um, reach level two within the training organisation, the training organisation is also able to take them forward a little bit further because some of them will not be able or will feel uncomfortable perhaps in going to, for example, Belfast Met or out of an environment that they have an enormous amount of support uh, within. And our new uh, level one and level two uh, skills programme, which will launch in September, will help the training organisations to do that and I've worked very closely with them to make sure that that's possible. Suppose the obvious answer is to try and equip some of them to go to level three so to stay in that that support um, bubble, another um, word introduced. But the issue is as well, the Minister will know that beyond twenty twenty two and the withdrawal of or the, the the impact of ESF funding which was very much towards, geared towards skills, how can we ensure that that impact is reduced and mitigated, as well as exploring opportunities to look at level three for students who are ready to progress, and also to support our local training providers, who without that funding are going to be in real, real difficulties? It's a complex and emerging area um, that we all must work really hard to make sure that we have uh, appropriate proposals for. In order to give a little bit of time, I have uh, worked um, with um, the finance director in the department um, and where we are able now to offer an additional year of ESF funding um, for organisations. It will be on a competitive basis, but um, the general parameters have not changed and therefore that will offer an additional year of funding in 2022-23 so that organisations will have time um, to look at what uh, the new funding um, world is like for them uh, in that. And I'm, I'm really grateful that the finance director and indeed the minister for finance have worked with me to make sure that that is in place. Um, in the meantime, of course, um, applications are being sought for the Community Renewal Fund um, and applications will then go forward in the next year um, for uh, the Shared Prosperity Fund. I would hope that these will be directed at training um, and employment opportunities um, and I would hope that we will be able to support local training providers who know local areas, who know local problems and local kids, that we'll be able to support them in getting the training that they really need and which is vital to making Northern Ireland both stable and prosperous. I call Rachel Woods. Mr Speaker, I would like to ask the Minister about the annual minerals return. Um, and under Article 18 of the Quarries Order 1983, the Department has a statutory duty to produce uh, an annual minerals return. So can I ask why the Department hasn't published the returns for 2019 and 2020, and when can we expect to see them? Um, I will uh, write to the member with the specific information that she requests on the minerals returns for 19 and 2019 and 2020, um, and uh, we'll ask officials to do so as quickly as possible.
Supplementary, Rachel Woods. The Minister for answer, I think this uh, further answer might be something similar to the last, but it is important that trends and outputs in respect of quarries operating in Northern Ireland can be reliably monitored. So um, just if the, if the Minister is, is going to write to me, can I ask um, if and when the previous minerals returns can be calibrated to ensure variations in responses for individual years are sufficiently robust enough to ensure that this can be happening and can be compared? Again, I will ask officials to take those comments into consideration and the response. I call Mark Durgan. You, you won't get a supplementary. Uh, I'd uh, like to ask the Minister what conversations she has had with her counterpart in the Irish Government about joint actions that could ensure the economic well-being of border areas. Well, of course, uh, my department is responsible for Intertrade Ireland, uh, and Intertrade Ireland is um, uh, working um, and continues to work um, to ensure that businesses on either side of the border have uh, the support that they need, uh, both to manage uh, the implications of the protocol um, and also uh, to manage and to grow um, in uh, light of the current COVID pandemic that they had. Um, and can I also say that um, I have been monitoring very closely some of the work of Intertrade Ireland and it has been successful in encouraging businesses uh, not just to be stable in a very challenging environment but also to grow and to innovate. And that uh, time is up, members. And uh, members, please take your ease for a moment or two.